0: I am Stephen Perkins. Thank you for joining me. And if you're on Facebook Live right now, thank you for joining. Um, that's something that I, I'm just starting to do now is uh, is going on Facebook Live whenever I record these podcasts. So not only do you get to hear my voice, but you get to see the face and the homelessness that it looks like. Uh, on this week's episode, I'm going to talk about why no one should ever get $15 an hour for a service job. I have a horror story from Pizza Hut and why I will never go back there again. Uh, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Pizza Hut, the worst pizza and service you will ever experience. Um, in addition to that, I'm going to talk about what I think is so vital now that we live in Trump's America, uh, why I think we should start talking to each other. Um, and as Glenn Beck did recently, maybe eat Fruit Loops with each other. We'll talk about that more. But first... Fifteen an hour. So I will start off by saying um, the reason I'm talking about this, this actually happened a couple of weeks ago, but I'm talking about it now because I was at a Christmas party last night, uh, which is like one of one of the three parties that I go to during the year. Um, just, you, you know, you got to let people know that you're not dead. So I was there and, and I, I, I told this story and they said you should have it on your podcast. So here it is. Um, I, I, I'm a sucker for cupans. Uh, if you don't know what a coupon is, that is where you get a you know a special little deal um and uh, and and Pizza Hut had a deal for a ten dollar pizza, okay It was finals week. I had essays to write. I had 10 page papers to 10 page papers, yes, to finish uh and and, and I, I felt like uh, I felt like Stephen deserved a pizza. So I go on there and it's like 10 bucks for any, any of the pizzas, like any toppings. They don't limit you, unlike some of the other statist pizza companies. But that's not a redeeming quality, I've come to find out. So I, I, I go and I place my order at 4.30 in the afternoon. I schedule it for six o'clock in the evening. So a, a full hour and a half ahead of time. Uh, and I put it in. I put my name, in, I put all those things, uh, and I said that I'll pay when I get there. So I go to this pizza location, which I should have known Th- this. I should have known something bad was going to happen when it is in the same shopping center as a chicken and waffles restaurant, which is delicious. I'm just saying it's not. You know, it's not like a. Like a chef doesn't work there. Uh, a, a coin laundromat called Abe's, and we're not talking about Lincoln. And a discount cigarette store, which I get it. You know, you would think, wow, this is the plaza for good deals. Uh, but come, come to find out, great deals, not great service. So I go, and, and it's dark at this point, and, and the lighting is poor, um, and there's all sorts of interesting characters walking around. And I go into this Pizza Hut, which in and of itself is not uh, an inviting environment. It's 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 very uh, just very bare and kind of odd. And uh, and there's like three people in line in front of me. I think two of them are actually waiting. And I I'm waiting for the for the person to like recognize that I'm there and ask you know what's up, what do you need, why are you in these neck of the woods. And this, this person comes in behind me, a woman and her son and the person from the back comes out and ask them, I had been there for like five minutes, but ask them, what can I, what can I do for you? And they, they walk around me like they acknowledge that I'm there and they walk around me and they're like, well, screw you. Uh, and, and she helps them and she's helping other people. It's clear that they're running late on orders. Even though again, but I was like, I gave them an hour and a half. How in the world would they be late on mine? They've known about it for an hour and a half. So I go up and, and finally she recognizes me and uh, and she says, Can I help you? And I said, Yes, you can. I said, I have an order for Stephen Perkins. And she goes, she just type, 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 type. She she looks in her computer and she goes, I don't have an order for Stephen Perkins. And I said, well, I, I placed it an hour and a half ago. And she goes, no, all I have is an order for, I have an order for a Stefan. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll play your game. I'll, I'll play your game. Uh, what's the last name? And instead of telling me the last name, she goes, the first name is spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N. And I was like, yeah, okay. But the, the order, is Steph, it's spelt that way, but it's Stephan Parkins. And I said, spell the last name. She goes P-E-R-K-I. I was like, eh, how the hell do you get Parkins when you sp P-E-R? Hooked on phonics is what you needed to be in your youth. Clearly was not. Uh, and so I was like, so so you, so you don't have an order for Stephen Parkins, but you do have an order for Stephen Parkins. And she was like, yeah yeah, that's right. Is that you? I was like, yeah, that's, I'll go ahead and take that one. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there is someone named Stefan Parkins, who's going to come by with the exact same order and be very pissed that you don't have it anymore. But I've been waiting for a bit. So now it's like, it's like 515 uh, or 615. Sorry. And, uh, and she's like, okay, great. They don't have it out of the oven yet. I was like, oh, perfectly fine it's only been two hours since i placed the order online of course you don't have it out of the oven yet i'm the crazy one and she goes but uh we'll we'll have it out in just a moment and i hand her my card and she goes oh oh you wanted to pay it was like do people not usually do that of course i want to pay for the I'm picking up my order. Why would I not want to pay? And she goes, okay. So so she's bewildered. She she runs through the payment and is like, we'll have it out in like five minutes. Ends up taking 10 minutes. And the manager comes out with the order and is like, I have an order for Stefan. Again, with the Steph I, I don't know. I don't know what, what the difficulty is with S-T-E-P-H-E-N that... Everyone in this Pizza Hut wanted to call me Stefan. So apparently that's my new legal name and I don't like it. I don't like that variation. Oh, my sister's on the live stream. This is good. Great. Um, So, so, so I I finally get my pizza and I go home and I'm just like, and and then, and then the best part, I love when companies send you uh, surveys to take after your order. Like, how was your order? Tell us about your experience. Oh, you bet. I gave them an essay. Um, I had, again, 10-page paper to write, uh, but I wrote them one page of feedback. So hopefully, um, and I say this with sincere love, hopefully they never get that wrong again. Of course, I will never go back to Pizza Hut again because I I am that sensitive that I will totally disregard uh, anyone because of something as minor as that. Uh, What I will say is that that leads me to my next point, $15 an hour minimum wage, never. I, that should never be a thing because if you can't discern that between common names and if you just say like oh you want to pay yes I want to pay but not you $15 an hour so that is my uh that is my um that's my reason for believing that who I I mean maybe the service is better in Seattle I don't know I highly doubt it but maybe all right so this is the episode before Christmas. This is the ugly sweater uh, episode. If you're watching on the live stream, or if you want to go back and watch, uh, I'm wearing this this sweater. I got. I'll stand up for a second. It has it has a mitten for a pocket, which I think is just the greatest thing. You can get down in there, maybe put some snacks for later, uh, or you know whatever types of treats you pick up at a Christmas party. But I love this sweater, and and I thought that the episode before. Uh, before Christmas, why not uh, why not spread some cheer loud for all to hear or whatever the line is. Um, I will say that if you haven't seen it already, Krampus is the best Christmas movie you could ever watch. It's got everything. It's got comedy. It's got horror. It's got Christmas fun and magic. It's got uh, gingerbread men that come alive and throw knives at people. It's got a jack-in-a-box that uh, that torments children. It's got... Uh, a German Santa that uh, that kills people's family. Uh, it's it's really I think an instant classic, and and I would recommend that uh, instead of um, instead of like the Polar Express, which used to be my favorite Christmas movie, I recommend you now watch Krampus. So Christmas time is upon us. It's a time for reflection, if you will. I think a lot of things have happened this year. Um, some good, a lot bad. Again. Not only rest in peace Harambe, but now we have a a deer that was killed in Harlem. So rest in peace to that deer, which I don't think had a name, which is unfortunate. I really wanted us to name it so we could have, you know, someone to memorialize just like we we did with Harambe. Um, But it is certainly a time for reflection a time to think about what we did right this year and what we did wrong this year. Um, What we did wrong this year is probably like electing a Cheeto but that's OK, because now it's really about what are we going to do in 2017 and really uh, beyond that. Right. And and so there's there's been a, a, a lot of and I think it's funny because now it's happening after the election, but there's been a lot of discussion. About uh, about how we should interact with the people with each other, how we should interact with people who have different political opinions than ours. Uh, we've heard this this uh, this terminology of living in an echo chamber or living in a bubble, and certainly we see that through social media. Uh, we have. Um, Kind of this bubble that we live in, where we don't really interact with people with different ideologies. We defriend people uh, because they post certain things, Um, and we're not having these conversations. We are more social than ever, but we're not having the conversations that actually contribute to a to a thriving and functioning society. And now, I think it's really important for us to kind of think about the system that we want to have going forward. And I, I think this is difficult because you have half the country who essentially you have a 50-50 split, you have half the country who thinks that um, with with, well, I don't know. I guess the numbers are a little more uh, a little more challenging now that you have Donald Trump is a whole new thing. But essentially, you have half the country on one side, half the country on the other, and there's this big question of of how do we move forward? Not only from this election, but how do we move forward um, on on some of the big issues that are going to come up over the next couple of years, um, and even over the next thirty days up until the inauguration. And there's a lot of discussion. There's so much noise out there. Um, I, I want to. I want to highlight two stories that happened this week that uh, that I, I think are, are are really the key um, to our divides in the country right now because they're such powerful stories about unlikely coalitions forming, unlikely groups of people coming together um, and and really doing incredible things. Uh, the the subjects of these two stories, the first one. Um, are the college Republicans at, uh, at, uh, at uh, Missouri University, Mizzou. Um, and the other person is Glenn Beck and, uh, and Samantha B. So the first story. I saw this on my Facebook feed this morning. It was really just encouraging because, of course, Mizzou or just even Missouri as a state has had a lot of challenges the past year. There's been a lot of um, talk about racial discrimination or racial targeting, a lot of race-based uh, Discussions and, and arguments, even um, and and a lot of tension. Certainly, I couldn't imagine being a college Republican at Mizzou. It's got to be uh, one of the most tense experiences ever. But I saw um, on their Facebook page and through some other sources, um, they they had a really break, uh, a really um, uh, they had something happen that that really served as a catalyst for a breakthrough. And that was the college Republicans came together with a fraternity for African-American students um, and they talked and they didn't die like they, they didn't they didn't stab each other. They didn't scream at each other. They took a group photo. You can go on the Mizzou College Republicans Facebook page, uh, which will be linked in the show notes. And you can see this. Uh, and it's this incredible story of these two people in an un- not only unlikely groups of people, but in an unlikely setting, Missouri University, you know, the college Republicans and an African-American fraternity. These are not two groups that are supposed to come together at Mizzou based on what we've seen this year, but they have. And they had a conversation and they had a picture where they're all smiling. And they didn't solve all their problems, but they had the discussion. And they realized that we're not evil people. We believe different things. We have different agendas, if you will, different ideologies. We have different experiences, different backgrounds. But we can come together and we can talk. And and and, and we can... We can reconcile those differences by saying, "Hey, you're you're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. We disagree, but like we can be civil about it." Which, after this year, civility seems like something that is impossible. But they're doing it. So hats off to uh, to to the Mizzou College Republicans um, and and the fraternity and and just really. I mean, you know, constant prayers with them with what they're dealing with, but I, I, a great step in, in in the right direction. And then last night on Full Frontal with Samantha B, which is like, damn it, stole the title of my biography, uh, Glenn Beck, or she, Samantha B interviews Glenn Beck. Uh, Glenn Beck is someone who got his start being, as he describes, a catastrophist, some would say a conspiracy theorist, certainly far right. Um, And uh, and and she confronted him about that, not confronted, but talked to him about it. And supposedly Glenn Beck is now uh, is experiencing a turning point in his life in which um, in which he is trying to to. Heal some of the damage that he created during his career. But what's interesting about this interview between Glenn Beck and Samantha Bee is not the fact that Glenn Beck is turning a new leaf or that he's doing this. It's the fact that Samantha Bee is able to talk with Glenn Beck and they don't kill each other again. It's like they they, they even acknowledge they're like we may we may or people may think that we want to stab each other, but we don't. And we have productive conversations. Now you, you can uh, you can watch the full, um, well, not the full interview, but you can watch the interview that aired. Um, it was actually Monday night. You can watch the interview that aired Monday night um, on um, I think Samantha B's Facebook page, or you know, type it into the Google and uh, and and it shall provideth. Uh, but it's, it's a really, it's another story that highlights this idea of two unlikely people, or as they put it, strange bedfellows that are coming together. Um, and, and they're coming together on this, uh, again, on the idea that we don't agree with everything. Uh, we don't agree on what policy should be or, um, or, or, you know, who should, I don't know, be on the Supreme Court. Or something like this. Uh, but we can agree on principles. We can agree uh, that, that w- first of all, w- we don't hate each other because of these differing views. And we can also agree that what's happening in American politics now is dangerous. And I, I know that for the bulk of the later part of this election, I haven't been on this podcast. But, uh, but there's certainly been a movement. There's certainly been... Um, this idea—that Trumpism or the ideology he represents, whether you consider that to be the alt right or fringe conservatism, or even some li- some people would say that now that he's the the president elect, it's it's mainstream conservatism. Glenn Beck and Samantha Bee came together and said, "You know, we're going to stop fighting against each other, and we're going to fight against Trumpism." And I think that's a really, uh, a really interesting way to look at it, and uh, and perhaps a a good way to form these unlikely coalitions with other people. But what I have said is that I'm not never Trump. And what I mean by that is I'm never going to be a part of a movement that opposes one person instead. Uh, you know, I, I what, what I've said for for what we're doing at Outset magazine is we're going to give Trump credit where credit is due and we're going to criticize the hell out of him if he deserves it. And I think that's the approach that we should have with everything, but especially Trump. Because I, I do think he has the potential to be an extremely dangerous president. I think that the ideology that he has brought into the mainstream is extremely dangerous. And if it is able to be scaled at the level that adherence of that ideology, hope it can be, and normalized over these next few years, then it has potential to do really lasting damage to the American political system. Um, as does any fringe ideology, but this is the one that's coming up. And so I think that while I'm not never Trump in the sense that I want him to succeed as president, I want the country to be better. I want it to heal. I want uh, good good reforms to happen. I want Congress to work. I want a budget to be passed. I want ISIS to be fought. Like I— All these things I think we can agree on. We can agree that we want the government to stay open. We want ISIS to take a major hit. We can agree that we want the president to be successful, not because we agree that his ideology should be successful, but that the country should be successful. We can agree on these things, but we have to remain critics of how the end means is accomplished. And it's really tough. I I think that part of me was hoping that, Donald Trump would lose. I didn't want Hillary to win, but I was hoping Jeb Bush would come in and just take all the electoral votes. But the Electoral College did not flip yesterday and do that. Um, but I think what's dangerous now is that we have conservatives, and I've seen people on my own side who now think that we have a Republican president, we can do whatever we want. And, but, but on top of that, um, it opens up the possibility of of the conservative ideology, or, or at least what we used to think of it, being taken advantage of and being destroyed from the outs from the inside out. The best way to manipulate something, the best way to destroy something, to transform it, is from the inside out. That's why the left has been so active in culture, so active in media, because they know that the best way to become, to effectively spread your message, to effectively spread. Your ideology is to take things from the inside out. Conservatives have not learned that lesson because we're slow to learn so many lessons, but now we're in a point where Donald Trump is the president. He is a Republican, he's a conservative, and I say these things in air quotes because he's not, but we're in a place where now the conservative ideology is being tampered with and it's being changed to fit this, this this nationalist populism that is not only a danger to conservatism in and of itself, but a danger to the country as a whole. And, and a lot of conservatives like me are standing back and we're thinking, well, how in the world are we supposed to, um, how are we supposed to go against this? Like we now have the majority of the government. We have the majority in Congress, uh, we have the president now soon to have the majority of the Supreme Court, um, perhaps soon a supermajority, the majority of state houses, the, ma- the majority of governorships like the Republican Party, contrary to what we thought maybe three months ago, that they would die after the election because all models suggested Hillary would win and we thought the Republican Party would be just crippled. Now it's stronger than ever. And it's like that old saying with great power comes great responsibility. My challenge is I don't think that conservatives understand the responsibility that we now have. And by conservatives, I mean the real conservatives. And I'm not going to get into this war of like go down a checklist. OK, you don't believe this. You're not a real conservative. But a real conservative, I, I, I am willing to say a, will, a real conservative does oppose many of the things that Donald Trump has said. Because he is for expansion in government. Conservatives are against an expansion in government. He is for limiting people's rights. Certainly, hell, limiting rights because of religion. Conservatives, well, they have a shaky history, but conservatives do not generally think that you should limit rights. Certainly not the government should. So you see the direct opposition, the direct contrast that we now have with our, quote, Republican president. And it provides a challenge for us because we have this ideology that, in my view, has the better argument. I think we have the better ideology. We have the ideology that allows people to live their God-given potential. We have the ideology that allows people to be successful without shame, because oh, the, the you know this person over here was not as successful as you, and so we need to take some from you. Like we, we, in my view, have the better opinion, have the better argument. But unfortunately, it's now being. Um, it's now being overshadowed by this, this personality that has hijacked it. And perhaps maybe it's too late. Perhaps now it's, it's Donald Trump's Republican Party. Perhaps he is building uh, a, an ideological coalition in the same way that Reagan did. Perhaps the next generation will consider themselves or, or will run on a position of, I'm a Trump Republican instead of, I'm a Reagan Republican. Which scares the hell out of me, but is a very real possibility. And there's no easy answer to what has to be done, other than to say that conservatives have to speak out, especially when their people are in power. And you have a Congress right now, who, while many of them were were skeptical of Donald Trump during the campaign, they've embraced him. Because if they want to get their things done for their districts and get their re-elections in order, they have to embrace him. And this really comes down to the core of conservatism. Because a lot of people and, and this is really this has really bothered me over the election. A lot of young conservatives who say they are they are, you know, they, they love the country and they love the constitution and all they want to do is defend these conservative conservative ideas donald trump becomes a nominee and you literally saw people go not a republican anymore not me no not my party like i'm i'm a conservative but i'm just i'm done i'm done some of them said i'm, I'm done with the republican party some of them said i'm done with politics which is the exact opposite attitude that you ought to have if you are a conservative and you believe that Donald Trump uh, and the people who come along with him are doing bad things to conservatism, the last thing you should do is run away at a time that the ideology, that the ideas, that the arguments need you more than ever. That is the the craziest thing to say, well, it didn't go my way, so I'm out. And... uh, the problem is that we've, I think we put, first of all, we put too much importance on the president. We think that the president is some, is, 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 is like the, the, the only position that matters. And we think, oh, well, we, you know, Donald Trump's the president. So I guess conservatives, conservatism is, is out the door. is like the conserv the, the, the president should not even be put in such position of power as we give him. And conservatives do this just as much as liberals We have allowed the expansion uh, and influence of the executive branch, and that goes against the very ideology that we claim to have. So I think the first step is realize that the president does not control how everything will go. And just because the president is a fake conservative who got his way there by manipulating people who don't know any better, that doesn't change the work that you have to do. And secondly, ask yourself when, when the last time is that you cared about uh, an issue on the local level. For many people, you you probably haven't. And I, I'm guilty of this as well. Because it's like, I can tell you what's happening on the national stage. I can't really tell you what's happening in my own backyard. Because we get so plugged into the national stage and I get it, national elections are exciting and you, know, you have presidential candidates threatening to lock up other presidential candidates during debates. And it's all it's all just so so fun, so lighthearted. But real, I, 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 I question whether people are actually um, or wh- whether they actually care. Whether you actually want to change things. If you're in politics because, oh, it's fun to work on campaigns and it's it's fun to get in Twitter wars with people. Oh, I really enjoy triggering people on the left. I think you're in it for the wrong reason. And and in fact, if you are in it for that reason, perhaps it's time for you to leave. Perhaps if you are only in politics because you think it's, it's like a... It's a lighthearted pastime. Perhaps you, you may not be the, the best person for the movement. But what I do think and, and what I'm more optimistic about is there are a lot of young conservatives who are optimistic about the future, who understand that they have a lot of work to do, um, and who really do want to make an impact. And what I would say is that we need to get more involved um, in the fights that matter. You need to get more involved on the local level. You need to get more involved on the state level. You need to make sure that you're that that you're working for people and you're electing people who, um, who represent the best that our side has to offer. But also understand that change doesn't come in a top-down approach. Change change comes from the bottom up. And really, what it comes down to is changing yourself you can't change your country until you've changed yourself there's the there's the story i may have told it on the show already the of, of the man who wanted to change his country he tried changing his country and he failed he tried changing his state and he failed He tried changing his city and he failed. He tried changing his street and he failed. He tried changing his family and he failed. He tried changing himself and he succeeded. After he succeeded in changing himself, he was able to change his family. And then he was able to change his street and change his city and then change his state. And eventually the country and the world gets changed because change happens from the bottom up. But it also happens by not going at it alone and, and bringing in these people who don't seem like people who you would normally agree with, these strange bedfellows, just as the Mizzou College Republicans have done or as Glenn Beck and Samantha Bee have done. And it's actually engaging with people who you may, may viscerally disagree with. And again, I, I'm in this journey with you. I've I, I've fallen victim to the same thing. I not as much anymore, but I early on in in the uh, in the election, I stopped paying attention and interacting with people who believed certain things. But looking back and reflecting on that, that that did nothing to help me. And it. On a macro sense, does nothing to help the country. So, you know, the takeaway is I I think that uh, I think that I think it's time to reach out to to people of uh, of all sorts. I one of my one of my one of my favorite people to talk politics with is a friend of mine who is progressive, like deeply progressive. Um. And we talk all the time. We talk all the time about politics and, and how things are going on. And, and, and it's it's shocking to me how much we agree with or how, 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 what, what we agree with each other on. Um, and the biggest thing we agree with each other on is that politics is just such a nasty beast. It's like you, you can't get in a political discussion without someone um, completely losing their mind. Whether that's the person you're talking with or even yourself. I've had some very, very heated political discussions with people and you look back after it and you're just like, I don't like who I was. I don't like how I acted with that. I don't like some of the things I said. I don't like the generalizations I've made. And it, 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 it produces a lot of challenges because ultimately you can't steer the country in the right direction on your own. Conservatives are not going to save America. Conservatism is not going to save America just as the progressives and the left are not going to save America. But I really do think, and it, it, we can sing Kubaya later perhaps. I do have a nice living room. It's good for a circle formation and I can bring the drum. But there, it really will take it really will take a sense of unity. It will take people coming together and getting stuff done. And you can see that, like, I I really hope that Donald Trump is able to, as he says he is, he's a great businessman and he's been able to work with all sorts of people. I really do hope that he's able to work with people from across the aisle. Bill Clinton did this to his credit. He didn't do much good, but he worked with people from across the aisle. But also in our own discussions, when when you get on Twitter, for example, or you get on Facebook, it's, it's this idea of you're going to get out what you put in. And, and that's everything from you put in hard work, you get out success. But also, if if you go looking for a fight, if, if your primary purpose is I'm going to get on Twitter and trigger people today, then you've already lost and you're doing your side a great disservice. Because if your objective is to simply widen the divide, not only are you doing your own side a disservice, you're doing the country a disservice. But it takes that maturity to realize these things and realize the different priorities that we should have, and 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 compare them to the priorities that we have now, and see that I think there's a huge discrepancy between the two. So, you know, I I know this is this has been very just freeform thought, but. I I I just I've been thinking a lot about this, especially since I haven't had a podcast um, in a while. And last week was talking about next year, but I really I I, the central message that I want to leave you with is, um, in order to save the country, which I may be crazy, but I really do think that the country is savable. Like I. I think we can preserve because I, I think a lot of what's good with this country is still here, and I think we can preserve what is good with this country because it's it's not gone yet. But it's gonna take it's it's gonna take a really really hard um hard approach to to achieve on a very personal level. Like all of us are gonna have to play this part, and it's gonna be very hard. You're going to have to get outside your comfort zone. You're going to have to have discussions with people who you otherwise would never want to talk to. You have to be able uh, to really listen to people. I'm, I'm an introvert, so actually my default is to listen. And, and I, you can learn a lot about people with that. But right now, it's just like who can scream the loudest? And we listen to respond, and we're not listening to understand it's very telling when I ask people um, if, if if I'm talking to someone who's on the right and I say what what do you what do you think people on the left believe? Right, there, there's a couple of, of ways to answer that question. Some people uh, have have said, oh, you know, they believe that uh, they believe that that no one creates their own success, and they believe that socialism is good. It just has to be done correctly, and and they believe that uh, that all Republicans are racist and white and all these things. Or you could have the, uh, the the mature person who says, "Oh, the, the the left believes that government has a role to play in, in helping people's lives. the the left uh, um, The left believes that uh, that th- that there's a, a disadvantage for certain people, and they believe that it's society's collective." responsibility to help these people so but you see the difference there is because we we tear these and we do this you know conservatives do this to people or 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 liberals do this to people on the right uh and 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 that's because we've spent so much time um and i don't even know if it's a problem of like i think we interact with plenty of people i just don't think that we're again we're not listening to understand we're listening to to debate we're listening to respond um and, and that isn't a productive way to have communication. In fact, it is the number one cause of ineffective communication. Uh, and if you want to save the country, you have to have good communication. I don't know. All sorts of ideas going on. Um, but what I do know is that uh, is that this is the time of the year. I think to be thankful for the people you have, to be uh, thankful for the um, the the privileges and 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 the um, the abilities that you have, and certainly. You know, at the end of the day, with everything that goes on in this country, we live in one of the greatest countries in the world. We are unique. There, there is American exceptionalism because we do things like no other country does them. We're having right now a smooth transition of power from one administration to the other, whereas in other countries that would cause a revolution or a civil war. And we do it like it's nothing. It has its challenges. We're not a perfect country, uh, but, but we're doing it to the best of our abilities. I think um, I America is a great place. I think that we have the potential to really turn things around. Um, but I also think it's, it's, it's the result of multiple personal decisions. It's the result of all of us making our own decisions of what type of person are we going to be? How are we going to interact with people? And what is our what is our reason for doing it? Are we in it because of the power? Are we in it because we feel like pissing people off? Or are we in it because we actually want to solve some problems and we want to make arguments in a way that is respectful and adult like and there's your ultimate like adulting. You know, people are like, Oh Yeah. Did all my laundry today, hashtag adulting. How about like had a conversation on how to fix the country, hashtag adulting, because that's really the actual way to be an adult is to have some of these, some of these advanced levels of communication. But so going into Christmas, think about that. And maybe you're going to, you're going to be in a, in a position where you're, you're with family this Christmas and you have the crazy uncle as we all do. All of us have the crazy uncle in some respect, um, Really pay attention to how how you talk to these people, how you interact with these people, how how you view them and think, are the people who I think are my enemies or the people who I viscerally disagree with, is there potential there to meet them in the middle and to become, as some would put it, strange bedfellows? Because that, I think, is the key to unlocking The uh, unlocking the potential that we have as a country um, going forward into some very tumultuous times for the world and for the country so that is all I have for you this week Um, if you've been watching on Facebook live I appreciate it if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes I also appreciate it give it a rate and a review Uh, let's get us into the new and noteworthy although it's not new I guess I don't know if we can do that I want to beat Anderson Cooper at something in my life. And it's not going to be on looks. So, since I won't, uh, I won't talk to you uh, until after Christmas, have a very Merry Christmas. And we do say Christmas on this pro- program. Unless you're Jewish, have a Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, Lord knows I love some Kwanzaa. And have a Happy New Year. Um, I don't know. Find someone to kiss at midnight, even if it's just your dog. Until next time, have a good one.